Amen. Well, it's good to see you. You okay? Yeah? Not convinced, but um, it's good to see you. I feel like I haven't been here for a while, but, um, but it's good to um, be sharing this morning. As Tammy said, my name's Steve, if we haven't met. And um, this morning, I've got the joy of bringing our teaching series to a close. Um, so during the last five or six weeks now, we've been looking at this theme, Come Holy Spirit, and just uh, exploring the character of the Holy Spirit uh, and the role that the Holy Spirit plays both in our lives and the life of the church. And so to finish up this week, um, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit and mission or the Holy Spirit and the mission of the church. Yet to be clear, really from the outset, uh, the mission of the church is not really our mission. Um, mission doesn't begin with us. It actually begins with God. It starts with God himself. God is a missionary God. All mission begins and ends with God. Uh, Chris Wright, uh, an Old Testament theologian, in his book, The Mission of God, he says this. He says, it's not so much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world as that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for mission, God's mission. And so we have to acknowledge from the outset that um, the drive, the movement towards mission starts with God himself. It's rooted in who God is. And for us to understand the Spirit's role in that, the Holy Spirit's role in that, we, we have to acknowledge that sending nature of God. And we see it through the lens of the Trinity, don't we? The, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That, that God sends his son and the father and son send the spirit and the spirit sends the church. Jesus um, alludes to this in John 20 verse 21. This is really, in John's gospel, this is John's version of the Great Commission um, that we're so familiar with. We're so familiar quoting Matthew 28, aren't we? But John, in John 20, 21, he says this. He says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus reinforces this in Acts 1.8. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of of the earth. And of course, as we follow the, the narrative of the book of Acts, we see this begins to, to be lived out. The, uh, and we see the role that the Spirit of God has to play. Time and time again, the, the Holy Spirit is, is poured out. He empowers the church to fulfill his mission. In Acts 2, the, the promise of power to be witnesses takes place. And God doesn't invite them into his mission 
Uh, he doesn't invite them to speak on his behalf uh, without first enabling them to do that. He, he sends help uh, by pouring out the Spirit upon them. Uh, and, and, and so we see the events of the day of Pentecost. Uh, and so at Pentecost, this group of shy, fearful, discouraged disciples are suddenly overwhelmed, aren't they, by a divine power. And, and full of the Spirit, it, it spills out onto the streets. Everybody thinks they're drunk, um, but apparently you can't get drunk at nine in the morning. Um, and, and so um, it, it spills out into the streets, and, um, and there they are declaring the wonders of God. And then Peter, um, full of the Spirit, he stands up fearlessly proclaiming Jesus as Lord and Savior. And as a result of that moment, as a result of the Spirit being poured out and driving them out, 3,000 hear that message, believe, and are joined to the church. It's in this moment that the the Spirit gives boldness and effectiveness in, in what the disciples say. Uh, it's the Spirit who convicts those who listen, and it's the Spirit who compels them to faith in Christ. And it's the same Spirit that drives this kind of ragtag bunch of followers to go to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends, ends of the earth. And it's one of those moments that I want us to um, look at this morning as we explore what it means to be led by the Spirit into mission, uh, that, this mission that belongs to and starts with God. Uh, and so as we draw this series to a close, you know, it's the... It's the activity of God's Spirit in our lives and that we've been focusing on, haven't we? We've been focusing on the fact that we can receive gifts from the Holy Spirit, that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit, we can experience the Holy Spirit in different ways. And, and as we draw this series to a close, what, the thing I guess I want to kind of drive home is that it's not just this insular thing. Um, it's not just this thing for us to experience. The work of the Spirit in our lives is ultimately there to drive us out. Uh, the work of the Spirit in our, in our lives is to cause us to go. Uh, and the truth is, we're all called, aren't we, to be missionary people who are called to follow a missionary God. And so if, you're gonna, if you've got a Bible, we're going to turn to Acts chapter 8. Um, I've asked Vicky to come and uh, read this for us, if she can. Just to kind of put some context to this, Acts chapter 8, persecution has struck the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers by the apostles have been scattered uh, across the region. And so we're going to look at the story of one of those people, a guy called Philip. So if you could read that, Acts 8, starting in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out on his way and met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candake, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. 
The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is the water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Thank you. And so what does it mean for us to be a missionary people called to follow a missionary God? Well, I want to suggest from the text that we're looking at today that first and foremost, it requires us to live a lifestyle that is led by the Spirit. We need to be men and women, women who are open to hearing the promptings of the Spirit in our lives. We have to become those kinds of people who are tuned in to, to kind of hearing God's voice, hearing God speak into our lives. You know, when I look back over the last 25 years of my Christian life, I became a Christian when I was two. Um, uh, but but when, I, when I look back over the last 25 years of attempting to follow Jesus, there have been distinct moments when I know God has spoken in clear ways. Some of you may have noticed that um, I got, got interviewed on a couple of podcasts this week, because that's what happens when you're rich and famous. But, um, <laughs> and and um, <laughs> a couple of different podcasts, and they, they somehow got published the same week, uh, which made it look like I was on some sort of like book tour. But I, I wasn't. It was just two simple interviews. But um, in both of those interviews that we, I did for these podcasts, there was an opportunity, really, just to share a little of our story. And, and you know, I remember being an 18-year-old kid. I thought I was more than that. Jack, you're 18 today, aren't you? Uh, so <laughs> um, I remember being an 18-year-old kid and um, listening to a set of teaching tapes. That's how long ago it was, okay? I don't know if you remember tapes. If you're not sure what tapes are, ask your grandparents. You know? uh, but listening to these set of teaching tapes uh, by a guy called John Wimber and Bob Fulton, who were kind of like founding leaders of the Vineyard Movement that we're part of. And um, these tapes were called God's Heart for Expansion. And um, 
It wasn't a strategy for gaining weight or anything like that. It was really the vineyard's way of kind of saying, this is our call to church planting. This is our call to plant churches. uh, And this is the strategy that we believe God has given us. And I remember listening to those tapes, not, not really understanding a lot of the technicalities of what was being said, uh, not really fully grasping all the implications, but at the same time, hearing the voice of God speak to me very clearly and say, this is what I want you to do with the rest of your life. I want you to be a kind of person who plants and helps start new, start new churches. Four, four years after that, we launched our first church plant. Tammy was 21, I was 22. And um, we got married a grand total of two months previous to starting the church. And, uh, and, but in, in, in that year, we launched the Dav- what is now the Daventry Vineyard. And um, we led that for about three and a half years. And then God started speaking again. And we started to hear the voice of God again. And, he, and, and very clearly, the voice of the Lord said, you're not the leaders of this anymore. And, uh, and actually, I want you to go over there, and I want you to do something over there. And so we came here, um, and we started this church family. And then, as many of you know, as somewhat of a surprise to us, back at the start of 2020, God started speaking to us. Autumn, we're going to be transitioning as a, as a family to launch a new vineyard church uh, in Milton Keynes. And so again... We're, we're laying things down. Um, we're laying our roles down here. And I guess, I guess the good question would be, like, why, would someone, why would someone do that? Well, primarily because God has spoken. Because we've heard God's voice. And we've learned after 25 years of trying to follow him that when we hear God's voice, it's a good idea to say yes. It's a good idea to follow his promptings. Now, on paper, you know, if leading a church was about building a platform or a career or getting interviewed on podcasts, if that was the whole point, then what Tammy and I plan to do in the next year is like career suicide. You know, we're at the top of our game. We've got salaries, you know, we've got most people like us. And, you know, it's everything's kind of ticking along and going well. But actually, we realize that we can't, we can't commit ourselves to our best yes if that's our agenda. Now, we're not all called to church plant. I wish we were, by the way. Uh, but we're not all called to church plant. But some of us in a room like this may hear the voice of God speak in other ways. You might hear God saying, start that business. Or you might hear God say, you know, take that job. Or you might hear God say, why don't you move to this particular community? There there are any number number of things that God might say to us by the Spirit with an agenda to extend his mission in the world. It could be even simpler than that. It could simply be like, take your lunch break here. Or it could be, have you checked in with that neighbor? Or it could be, why don't you reach out to that person you haven't spoken to uh, for, uh, for the last few months? 
And, and, and this is kind of what we see happening with Philip. It says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, we don't know much of the detail uh, of what's happening here. We know from other parts of the scriptures, don't we, that God would often use angels uh, to direct people on his behalf. And maybe this angel, I don't know, maybe this angel took on human form and directed Philip. And, and as Philip walked towards Gaza, as he journeyed towards Gaza, maybe he stopped and thought, oh, that could have been an angel. Um, you know, maybe that's what he thought. Maybe this angel that appeared to him was far more transcendent and supernatural uh, than that. Uh, however it happened, um, whether it was an audible voice, whether it was a, an internal conviction, I don't know what it was, my guess is, is that Philip had this deep sense that, that what was being said to him, the direction that was being given to him, uh, was from heaven. It was heavenly direction. And so he goes, and so he gets these instructions, not knowing what's waiting for him. All he hears, he says, is, is go, go here. And, and, and the passage says this, it says, so he started out. So he started out. Don't you just love that? He hears what God says, and he hears the instructions for the day ahead, and he says, so he started out. And I love that because that so often isn't my response. That so often isn't how I respond. Often, God will say to us, you know, do this, go in this direction, and we're like, God, oh, I don't know. You know, I've just got lunch to make. Oh, you know, there's a few other things that I need to do first, and uh, that kind of sounds stupid, you know, I might look a fool if I do that, God. And, uh, you know, it, I reckon it's just that I had too much cheese before I went to bed last night. That's what it is. It's not God at all. It's just, you know, too much cheese on the pizza, whatever it is. That's just, just, just a crazy thought. But for Philip, his response was to just go. His, his Philip, was, he heard what the Lord said, and so he went. He, he went for it. And so as he sets out, he comes across this Ethiopian eunuch. And again, if you want to find out what a eunuch is, ask your grandparents. Um, but he's an important guy. He's in charge of the Ethiopian treasury. And he's, um, he's been to Jerusalem worshipping. Um, and he's now traveling home in his chariot, which I imagine is kind of like an ancient Uber of some description. And... Um, He's, he's reading from the prophet uh, Isaiah. And, uh, and it says in verse 29, the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now, I don't know if this chariot was in traffic or what, you know, but somehow he, he, he caught up with this chariot. And, uh, and so he follows the spirit's prompting and he's hanging out next to this chariot. And in the process, Philip overhears this important person in his Uber uh, reading from the prophet Isaiah. And so it says this in verse 30, Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading from Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? 
So he invites Philip to come up and sit with him. And so suddenly, Philip is also on, in the Uber, and they're doing a discovery Bible study, and he's telling, them, he's telling him about Jesus. He's revealing to him what, who Jesus is. This, this unit comes to faith, and they stop off, they get baptized, and then Philip vanishes. Wouldn't that be a cool spiritual gift to have? Uh, you know, we've just bought an electric car to lower our carbon footprint. That beats it. Um, you know, just, just, boom, I'm gone. You know, uh, I'm looking forward to that spiritual gift being imparted to me. Um, so Philip is supernaturally transported away. And as spectacular as that was, the real gold in this story is that a person's life was transformed because Philip was ready to hear the voice of God and the promptings of the Spirit and was willing to be sent on mission in the everyday kind of circumstances of his life. And so we, as we think about the Spirit and mission, I want us to just think about two things this morning. Two simple truths that shape our understanding of what it means to be led by the Spirit into mission. And the first one is this. To be led by the Spirit in the context of mission requires an openness to spontaneous moments. The truth is, Philip didn't wake up that morning. You know, he didn't think, oh, have my breakfast. I've got a I've got a Zoom call at nine o'clock with an angel. And then, you know, I'm going to head down to Gaza. Hopefully by 10, I'm going to bump into a eunuch because I'm always looking for eunuchs to bump into, you know. And then by 11, I'm going to baptize him. And then I'm going to get on the Holy Spirit superhighway and be transported somewhere else. He didn't start his day that way. Philip had no idea what was going to happen. It was a totally spontaneous moment for him. And to be led by the Spirit means that God might use any moment to demonstrate his love, to demonstrate his grace, to demonstrate his truth through us in any way. And this is what's happening here. Philip has an openness to the voice of God and has this ability to respond immediately. You see, to be led by the Spirit is to live with a posture of openness, an openness to what the Spirit might want to do in the big things, like go and plant a church, or in the small things. Hey, why don't you phone up that person you haven't spoken to for a while? And so to say yes to the Holy Spirit's leadings means that we often um, have to step into unfamiliar territory. We can often, you know, be led into places that we've never been before. Uh, For Philip, it's unfamiliar territory. When you find out what a eunuch is, you'll know why it was unfamiliar territory for Philip. I'm I'm guessing he's never hung out with a eunuch before. Um, And yet Philip is open to the Spirit's leading in his life and willing to go to unfamiliar places. This idea of being open 
to these spontaneous moments means the truth is, is that the Holy Spirit will often speak to us in unplanned ways, ways that are unplanned by us. They're, they're, they're known by God eternally, but they're unplanned by us. And his invitation to us in the midst of that is for us to say yes and for us to respond uh, to those unplanned things that are on God's agenda. And I, I believe the Lord wants us to form, uh, he wants to form us in, in such a way that we have room in our lives for those spontaneous moments, those spontaneous moments when the Holy Spirit will speak to us on a daily basis. And, you know, for those of us in a room like this who consider ourselves followers of Jesus, consider ourselves people full of the Holy Spirit, I, I believe the expectation should be that on a, on a daily basis, the Spirit of God wants to lead us in those spontaneous, unplanned ways. You know, some of those promptings and thoughts that you have aren't your thoughts. That's the Spirit of God speaking, prompting you, inviting you into the very thing that he's doing. And, 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 so, and so for us to be a people who pay attention uh, to those spontaneous moments, we need to learn to discern the voice of God. We need to learn to discern his leading. Sometimes you might be, I don't know, driving your car, the, doing the commute or, you know, the school run, whatever it is, and, and maybe a person's name or a picture of a particular person pops into your mind. And, and sometimes that could be just the randomness of your mind. Um, yet often it could be the Spirit of God prompting you. And so maybe in a moment like that, you think, oh, maybe I should phone that person or reach out to that person in some way. And sometimes you do that and that person's fine and they're pleased to hear from you and that's it. But yet other times you might get that kind of prompting. You phone someone, message someone, and, and you, it becomes a lifeline to that person who happens to be in need at that time. And you couldn't have called them at a better time or couldn't have messaged them at a better time. What would it look like to tune ourselves into those kinds of promptings? What impact might that have? How might uh, responding in ways like that teach us to be ultimately far more responsive to the leading of the Spirit? What if every day you decided, I'm going to make space in my life to be interrupted? I'm going to make space today. Lord, if you want to interrupt me, you want to interrupt my agenda, come and do it. To step into those unplanned moments, to be led by the Spirit into his mission in the world. But here's the thing, to be open to those spontaneous moments, it requires a sustained movement towards Jesus and the way of his kingdom. In other words, to be people open to the spontaneous leading of the Spirit, we need to have a foundation of life formed around Jesus and his kingdom. See, Philip was a man who 
uh, lived a life of sustained movement towards Jesus. The Bible tells us that Philip was a man of faith, a, a man rooted in the scriptures, so much so that when someone had a question about the Bible, he was there ready uh, to explain and help them understand and reveal truth to them. He was a man of the word. He, he read his Bible. He was a man who understood the scriptures. And you see, when we live lives of, of sustained movement towards Jesus, that becomes fertile ground from where the Holy Spirit wants to create those spontaneous moments for us. And so if we want to be led by the Spirit, we need to live sustained lives. Uh, that's why formation um, and the language of formation has become so important to us as a church community uh, over the last few years. How do we live a sustained movement towards Jesus? Um, well, one of the first ways that we do that is, is, is we take time to be with Jesus, don't we? We take time to be with him, to be with him in prayer, to, to sit with him, to be with him in silence, to, uh, to be with him as we open up the scriptures, to make space for Jesus to reveal himself to us, to reveal more of his character and the person of who he is to us. We, we develop a sustained movement when we commit to gathering together in environments like this one, that, you know, we come together each week and we remind ourselves of what's real in the world, what's true, that ultimately we're called to be worshippers of God. We, we have a sustained movement towards Jesus when we commit uh, to meeting with others in community, opening our homes up in hospitality, inviting people around our tables. A sustained movement towards Jesus is a radical reorientation of our lives uh, so that when God speaks, when the Spirit leads, we're ready to say yes. See, openness to those spontaneous moments requires a sustained movement towards Jesus, a life devoted to him, a, a, a life that is Jesus-focused, a, a, a life that's orientated towards him. That's how I think we become the kind of missionary people we're called to be. That when we are led by the Spirit, we're led by him into God's mission in the world. In the world. And so as we draw this, this whole series that we've been doing to a close, there, there's no doubt that ultimately the Spirit of God, I believe, is, is ultimately poured out in our lives for the sake of others. Michael Green, he says this, he says, the primary purpose the Spirit is given is for mission. And I think we get in trouble as the church when we reduce the activity of the Spirit in our lives to a bless me kind of club. You know, I, I'm going to go to church because I'm going to experience the Holy Spirit and it will all be great and I have these gooey feelings inside. I might cry, you know, and, and, and oh, it's just great. I just love it. You know, it's like putting on a blanket, you know, um, and, and we become like these puppies in a box you know, licking each other and 
oh, we've got the Holy Spirit, and it's all great, you know. And, and I think we're in trouble if that's where we reduce the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Or we can focus, can't we? We can get fixated on particular gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us. You know, oh, we're the prophecy church, or we're the intercessory prayer church. And, and we, we just get in trouble when we make those things the point. See, the ultimate goal of a missionary God is to lead us outward as missionary people in the power of a missionary spirit, in all of those kinds of spontaneous and unplanned ways. But we build the bedrock through a sustained movement, or as um, Eugene Peterson says, we build that bedrock through, through a long obedience in the same direction. And so this message, this, this series, really, you know, as we've explored the person and the work of the Spirit in our lives, is, is really twofold. Let's never make the work of the Spirit in our lives and in the life of the church simply about us. Let's, let's just promise each other, okay, that we'll never do that. He always leads us for the sake of others. That's the, the missionary posture of God. But also a challenge to ask ourselves, what is the orientation of our lives? Is our, is, are we living lives of sustained consistent movement towards Jesus? Or are we so overwhelmed with our own stuff, our own agendas, that the voice and leading of the Spirit is kind of drowned out? You know, we, can't, we kind of don't hear that clearly. And if we were to be honest, maybe some of us this morning, you know, if I was to put you on the spot, which I'm not going to do, perhaps you would struggle to fully identify what God's spirit might be inviting you into right now, simply because the, the orientation of your life has meant your ability to hear what the spirit of God might want to say, it's just been drowned out, it's just, you can't, you can't hear it. Or even worse, maybe for some of us, the noise of everything else going on around us means we actually, we can't even remember what it means to hear the voice of God speak to us. We can't even remember what it means to have those inner moments where the Spirit of God says, hey, why don't you do this? Or why don't we go on this adventure together? Or why don't you reach out to this person? And some of us have, have got to a place, got to a place so far where we can't even remember what that's like. And so for the last six weeks or so, you know, we've been journeying together, exploring what it means, you know, who the Holy Spirit is, what it means to be filled with the Spirit, what it means to receive His gifts, um, the identity that the Spirit brings. Uh, reminds us that we're sons, 
children of God. But ultimately, the ultimate aim of the Spirit is to lead us out. For us to be led by the Spirit into what God is doing in our world. And the great news is is that God is always doing something. He's always on the move. He's always moving around us. And the joy and the pleasure before us is that we get to hear his voice. We get to hear him speak. And we get to join in with what he's possibly doing. And so we want to be those kinds of people, don't we? We want to be those kinds of people. We don't want to just be a bless, blessing club. We don't want to be a fixated on particular things club. But we want to be that missionary people, those people sent out in the power of the Spirit. So why don't, why don't we stand?